And welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the program. You do know that we come your way Sundays at uh, 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at those times uh, at richarddugan.com. If you go to richarddugan.com, you'll also see where we are uh, putting the podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and many other locations you folks are reposting to. And thank you so much for doing that. It's, it's great to have that expansion. We are also on YouTube where you can watch these videos. All you have to do is go to Richard Dugan. That's the name of the channel. Tell me your story. Just look for the guy with the hat. Okay? Won't be hard to find. We are going to have a fun program today. We have a returning guest, and uh, we're very excited to have Joseph Cardello joining us again. Uh, if you don't remember the last time he was on the program, we were sort of talking, uh, well, as on most programs, about a lot of stuff. But in particular, we were talking about the 12 Rules of Attention. Uh, he has many other books as well, and we hope that you will go to his website, which we'll give you here in just a moment, so that you can continue your evolutionary process. And, of course, you want to go to uh, josephcardillo.com. Uh, and, of course, Joseph, very easy, J-O-S-E-P-H. And then Cardillo, C-A-R-D-I-L-L-O.com. Joseph, thank you so much for joining us here on the program again. It's great to, to have you back with us. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Richard. It's a great, great show. I really appreciate that. And, of course, you've got many other works that uh, folks can check out as well. Uh, Body Intelligence. Uh, uh, you also have um, one called Five Seasons. Your playlist can change your life, which I find interesting because um, I have a playlist on, for example, Spotify, which where is also where you can hear this program uh, as a podcast. And um, I have um, my playlist is primarily specific artists. Now, each playlist is of a specific artist. I don't have a mixture, <laughs> but they also provide me with what they call their daily mix. Uh, and it's interesting because we've listened to enough Irish music that they incorporate that into it. And it's, it's great. So we love it. We love being able to hear that kind of music. And we're going to jump in here to, to the other areas we're going to talk about. But can we talk a little bit about uh, this aspect of what you're listening to? Because that's one of the keys to, uh, in my book called Choices, Five Steps for Living, where you... Uh, you have to uh, your choice, your your personal input has to match the choice that you've made for your life. For example, my wife facing uh, cancer surgery and chemo had to decide whether she wanted to live or die. Uh, and one of the things I said to her is you have to match your personal input, the things that you read, uh, everything that you hear, the people you associate with and so forth. They need to support you in your decision to live. So can we talk a little bit about that, especially when it comes to music, when you say playlist, and let's say we're talking about songs with lyrics. Words have power, don't they? And so this is, to me, kind of the core. Uh, instrumental music is also helpful, classical and so forth. But let's just jump in there for, for a few moments. Yeah. <clears throat> um, you know, as... Uh as as somebody who who has worked with mind body science for decades i have to say that sound and music um are something that many of us uh really favor in a way to affect the way we feel mentally physically and even spiritually 
And we like it because it's able to affect us in just seconds. Um, uh, music is in particular, and, and sound in general, music in particular is is good to use to try to, to make those shifts that you were just talking about because it's it's really the only thing that we know that permeates all parts of the brain. So it, it doesn't just affect your memory or it doesn't just affect your language center. It doesn't just affect the auditory part of your brain. It affects your entire brain and it permeates your entire brain. So I like to talk about it as, um, as a kind of like a smoothie, Ah, okay. Uh, a healthy smoothie, and and I use that I use that analogy because I know that when my kids were really young, you know, my wife and I used to make them smoothies, and we'd put little things in there, you know, that they might not want right away. We'd put things like kale and other nutritious things in their smoothie, and they they would drink it, and it would bring nutrition to their body. Well, music is kind of like that. Music contains ingredients or elements, so to speak, like the lyrics that you mentioned, and also other things like the rhythms and so on, uh, and the sounds themselves that permeate the entire brain. So when you, when you drink, for example, when you drink music, it's, it's affecting everything. And so that's why, for example, you know, we, this is how powerful music is. Uh, for example, you know, we, we know that uh, like an Alzheimer's patient uh, who, who, who is in final stages might not, might not recognize a window anymore, might, might not know what that is, might say, oh, what's that hole doing in the wall? And they'll, they won't know the name for window. They, they might not know your name, but you could put on a, a, a copy of Be uh, the Beatles' Yellow Submarine, for example, and they would know all the lyrics and sing along with it. And many of their songs going all the way back to childhood. And that's because that's because music's permeated all parts of the brain. So even though the language center might be gone, that language exists elsewhere in the brain and other parts of the brain because the music smoothie, so to speak, yeah. has brought it everywhere. Mm -hmm. And we can use it to affect mood. There's only one thing that can affect you quicker, and that's scent. But, mm. you know, we've all done that. We smelled something that blasts us back 10 years. Well, music is second only to scent, and it's a real close, fine line. It's very, very fast. It works in milliseconds. So, if you know a piece of music that uplifts you or that calms you down, uh, you know, you should start a playlist today. Start it before you need it. Yeah. And therefore, therefore, you have it when you need it. And I've got in my book, I talk about all kinds of things that you can do with music from increase your energy to change your mood, to increase your organization and acuity, creativity, increase your memory and recall and so on. So music is just a, an incredible influencer of our physical, uh, the way we feel physically and also the way we feel mentally. It's, it's just a great thing. And if I may expand on that a little bit to say, well, what about if we were to listen to certain sounds like the ocean or a forest or what have you? Same kind of effect, right? Same exact thing. And it affects, it affects music and sound in general is able to uh, affect the way our brain affect the, the electrical activity in our brain. And it also affects the 
chemical activity in our body. So it's kind of like a double whammy. Mm -hmm. It can give you that boost of adrenaline or serotonin, and it can also give and other other hormones, mm -hmm. but it can also alter the, the electrical activity in your brain and the way it works. And we can also use music as a, as a sort of a reward to shape and condition our behavior. It's just mm -hmm. a wonderful thing. You also talk about, and I think we discussed a little bit of this in our last uh, get-together, visualization. Now we're talking going from the ears, but even though sound, music, and so forth permeates more than just the ears, uh, you know, obviously the skin, you know, we feel it in our bodies, especially if we have it turned up rather loud and there's a rather driving bass or drum beat or what have you. Um, but now we're going to kind of shift to visualization and it isn't just, and we're not even speaking here in the context of, say, the eyes necessarily, although there are those who can visualize with their eyes wide open. They don't have to close their eyes and imagine. They can sort of see things. And we've seen um, different uh, movies and programs where they featured individuals who, for example, like Temple Grandin, if you've ever watched the movie Temple Grandin, it shows how she views a certain a certain scene and then starts to draw on a clear board all with white white chalk if you will uh, very quickly how she sees it ought to go how she sees it in her mind which I always found fascinating as far as the cinematography and the graphics CGI and so forth and some people do that they will they will do that in their minds and it's just incredible um, what is it about visualization from your perspective, your experience, that uh, uh, is, is so important, valuable, and vital to our, our success as a civilization, as individuals, as well as our uh, progression moving forward, upward and onward, so to speak, as, as a people? Well, <clears throat> visualization has a very, very special place um, in, in uh, holistic arts, part particularly when we're talking about, uh, you know, uh, being able to establish the great mindsets that we'd like to live in and, you know, the, the, the physical flow that we'd like to live in as well. Um, and I'll tell you why. Uh, it really is quite special. Uh, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> you know, I could, I could call it a gift from the gods. And I, and I think I'd be pretty accurate in saying that because as far as we know, visualization is something that is unique to the human species. This is something that only we can do. You know, we can create in our mind a fictional, situation because it hasn't happened yet mm -hmm. and explore various ways we'd like things to work out explore various avenues of action within that experience so i could visualize uh, a, a, a committee meeting at work for example or a conversation with a loved one before it happens and consider the twists and turns of where that might go and then choose for myself the way I'd like things to go and then go over that 
in my mind, kind of like a little mind movie, you know, we all do this, like a little mind movie, the way we'd like to see things turn out. And then when that window of opportunity opens up in real time and we're in that conversation or we're in that committee meeting, sure enough, we're going to behave in the way we visualized. And we're the only species that can do that. We're talking with Joseph Cardillo, and uh, we're talking about the work that he is involved in. What is the main focus of that which you, uh, your main interest, your main focus in terms of the work that you are doing these days? Well, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to take uh, cutting edge science. So what I'm involved in primarily is 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 research in the areas of attention and what it is up upstairs when we you know what's going on up here when we pay attention mm -hmm. is it chemical is it electrical um mm. is it neither <laughs> you know hey. what is it and what is it when we're not paying attention what you know what happens up here when we can't find our car keys and we're sure we put them right there on the kitchen counter but they're not there you know what what happened just then or you know uh, what happens when we go out to the parking lot and we say hi to somebody from across the lot and it turns out to be somebody other than who we thought it was mm -hmm. you know what's going on upstairs or you know when the student has has uh, has studied for a test and knows it inside out and that sits down at the test and suddenly draws a blank you know what's that about what what's going on um and so i've been i've been studying it, uh, attention uh for decades um, and involved in that um, is, is the connection between the mind and the body, mm -hmm. uh, which is where I started uh, about three decades ago. And, and what I've been exploring is just how much can we affect the body with a mind? And what is the mind anyway? <laughs> you know, Good question. Is it, is it or is it not part of the body? What is it? Um, and so I've been, I, that's what I've been going after is that mind body connection in a, and trying to bring, trying to bring the best of, of my work and, and, and worldwide really research on these issues, trying to bring them together in, uh, in a place, usually my books where people can read these in their home and be able to use that material immediately um, I want to make it a household functional item. Uh, you know, a friend of mine used to say, I want to make it as functional as a spoon. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to, I want to take this science that, you know, my kids ask me what I get so excited about. <laughs> you know, why are you sitting there reading a, you know, a 150 page lab report and salivating? <laughs> you know, why, why are you so happy about this? You know, they don't, sometimes they wonder, you know, what mm -hmm. is it? that excites you so much. Um, what excites me so much is the possibility. It's kind of like panning for gold, mm. the possibility of finding out something on this journey that we're all on that can be brought into the home and make somebody's life sweeter right away. Um, a lot of the science that, that I incorporate in my books will probably hit the fan publicly five, 10 years from now because not really was, it wasn't really done for that was done for other reasons. Yeah. But but I'm taking it and I'm putting it into books so that people have access to this 
material. And, you know, maybe somebody's having lapses of memory. What's that about? Maybe somebody wants to be, be quicker on recall. Maybe, maybe somebody uh, feels anxious or stressed or somebody's had a hard time paying attention because of COVID or whatever. You know, th- there's great science that won't really hit the fan for five or 10 years, but I can bring it in to families now and have them aware of it show them how to use it in a in a daily kind of way to improve what what they're trying to do with their lives and 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 that's really what it's all about because if something if i can take something and get totally excited because i know that tomorrow is going to be a better day for me mm-hmm. i want you to have it too i don't want it just for me so it's, yeah that, that's kind of where i'm coming from how about the people who uh who have contributed to or um uh, who uh, you looked to from the past, uh, who have um, uh, supported or or uh, and and when I when I say this, I'm I'm speaking now more of individuals that you've never met, but their research, their study, their investigation, their curiosity, their imagination has uh, filled you with this enthusiasm, this excitement that you have for the work that you're doing. Uh, are there individuals in, in your past, not just in your personal past, but in our history who have influenced you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I one of the people who's influenced me tremendously was uh, was Joseph Campbell. Oh, Just influenced wow. me yeah. tremendously. I mean, I, I remember when I, I wrote my, um, my, my first book, uh, Be Like Water, uh, uh, my publisher then was Hachette Books, which interestingly enough is my publisher now, <laughs> you know, so it's kind of gone full circle. But um, they one of the questions they asked me when when they, you know, when when we were starting to come out and talk about the book was, you know, who's your favorite author? And I and back then it was Joseph Campbell and it's still <laughs> Joseph. I love Joseph Campbell. And and, you know, his very famous statement, uh, follow your bliss. Uh, that has come to mean so many different things for me, you know, over the decades, mm-hmm. you know, at, and, and I think it does for people, um, you know, you, you, because that's really what it's about. It's about finding out who we really are. And, you know, here we are on this planet journeying around with all the other creatures and, 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 and all the other people and, 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 and everything else that's on the planet really um, and, and, you know, you have to ask at some point, what is this really all about? And I think that, that, that statement, follow your bliss contains it all really at first, at first it's just, you know, follow your happiness. You know, what is it that makes me happy? What delights me? But then you start to realize that your bliss means other things more and more and more. Uh, and eventually I think it, 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 it's, it, it'll lead you. It'll lead us, I think, to who we are and what we are. I mean, what are we? Uh, um, Roger Penrose, whom I, I have a lot of respect for, I love Roger Penrose, uh, said the other day, he said, well, you know, he goes, I'm a materialist, Penrose. Okay. About he goes, I'm a materialist. He said, but, but he goes, one might question what, this isn't an exact quote, but he said, one might question what is the material? Aha. Uh-huh. It's that's a pretty cool statement. It you really know, I'm a materialist, is. but 
what is the material? And I find that statement of, of uh, Joseph Campbell's, follow your bliss, kind of like that. Like at first you think, oh, it's this material <laughs> that I'm following. And then, oh, it could be that. And then, oh, and then you realize all these things that really are our bliss. And I think, I think it somehow has to lead us back to our, the infinity that we were part of before we were here. And I think it has to lead us to that infinity again. You know, I think it's all connected. It's, it's, you know, we're here now, but on both sides is a deep infinity. (laughs) Well, the ancient wisdom teachings uh, speak to just exactly what you said. And what I have often looked at, I've looked at that and I've, I've said, okay, I get that where we come from, where we're going to. Then why in the Sam Hill did we choose this material world, this dualistic world filled with all of the things. And when I think about the one, which we were and are and will be a part of uh, in through infinity, as it were, uh, how is it that being omnipotent, omniscient and omnipresent and so forth, that we needed this experience. That's what perplexes me. Why is it that we felt we needed this experience of this dualistic world? And I have been struggling with that concept for some time, and I've come to the realization that it isn't dualistic. Yeah. yeah it isn't, I, I, because no. it's just yeah. what it is. For And I've, I use yeah. the, the macro and the microcosmic worlds uh, to make my point, and that is that when we look through the Hubble telescope at the universe as it's unfolding and things are moving and, and everything's happening out there, we, we're in awe. It's like, wow, is that cool? And the same thing on a molecular level, looking through an electron microscope, looking at the atomic and subatomic particles, moving in the same fashion as the macrocosmic world is, and we're in awe of it. But we're not as in awe of here now because we have... We have layered it with or masked it with dualism, right and wrong, good and bad, uh, you know, happy, sad, and all those kinds of things. And I'm not talking necessarily about our emotions. I'm talking about our judgments or perceptions of our universe here. I call it the mid-cro, macro, mid-cro, micro worlds. And here where you and I live, Joseph, um, we need to stop passing judgment on the experiences because they just are and we just are and that's all there is to it you know no judgment you know <laughs> absolutely I, uh i can i go back to i i had just written uh be like water i had just written it just come out and um and my wife and i were about to it was great. Our, 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 our first daughter was about to be born. The book had just come out. And we were, I, this was just a, a great time in, in our life. We were heading out uh, to, uh, to an island off the coast of Massachusetts for the winter. And it was snowing a lot on the island that winter. And we were going there. There weren't, there weren't that many people on the island, I got to say that. Um, but right before we left, I was speaking with a, a mathematician 
uh, friend of mine. Uh, and, and, and we were talking about uh, bottom-up experience. Well, we, we, were, we were talking, he, he was talking mathematically, but we were talking about bottom-up experience and top-down. And so he really got me going on this whole idea of emergence and bottom-up experience becoming what it is. So here we were on the island, and, and I couldn't get the thought out of my mind. I just kept going back to it and back to it and back to it. And I said, somewhere in there, there's something good. Mm. <laughs> you know, I just kept thinking about it. I mean, I understood top down by, and all the ramifications in psychology and so on. But I was looking at it differently here. He had me looking at it differently. And one night I woke up in the middle of the night. My wife is asleep. <laughs> and I, I woke her up. My eyes were like this. I woke her up. I said, guess what? And, I, and she goes, what? I said, top down. And bottom up can be the same thing. And I had realized that if you scale it big enough, if you just scale it as far as you can, or if you scale it down to its smallest particle till you can't scale it down anymore, they're the same point in time. So I called up my mathematician friend and I said, I told him the story. I said, I woke up in the middle of the night. My wife didn't appreciate it. <laughs> I, was, I, was telling her, I was telling her what I'd realized at about three o'clock in the morning. But I said, I, I just realized, I said, if you scale it up as far as you can or scale it down as far as you can, it's all the same. It's one experience. It's one field. And he goes, he goes, pretty scary, isn't it? <laughs> and I, I said, well, yeah, I said, it's also pretty great. It, it really, it's, it, it's pretty great. Oh it, yeah. It, it was a big moment. And then, you know, and, and this is interesting where we're going with this today, because then if you put the Joseph Campbell idea of bliss into that, wow. Right. Because mm -hmm. everything in between is your personal experiences and you scale it up and you scale it down and that suggests a whole other level of experience. It's just a wonderful, wonderful concept. So, yeah. And I think attention, I mean, I, 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 this is what keeps me so rooted in attention uh, research because, it, you know, just following those concepts involves your attention network. But, you know, when we pay attention to things like this, our attention network, again, brings it into our mind and allows it to affect the rest of our lives in ways that, you know, when we were talking about visualization, in ways that we want it to affect our lives. So attention and visualization are really a tremendous way of, of, of um, uh, self-care, of, of self-health care, and in, of really of healing ourselves on so many different levels and and discovering and following our bliss too. Mm. We're talking, of course, here today with Joseph Cardillo, and we're talking about a lot of the work that he's doing right now. We're discussing visualization, and uh, Joseph, it's great to uh, uh, have you on our program for the second time. I'm knowing, I'm knowing, I'm knowing, I know. <laughs> Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, uh, even in recorded programs, sometimes you just keep right on rolling, which is what you're supposed to do. 
A visualization is one thing, but I know we're going to be talking about a lot of other things uh, down the road as well. It's just, to me, fascinating. One of the other aspects I wanted to, to throw into the mix here, especially in regards to visualization, you talk about the mind. And I read something just recently. I didn't read the whole article, but I read enough of it to get the gist. And that was that um, they're starting to... The, the, the question is... Where does consciousness reside? Uh, they wonder, is it in the mind? Is it outside the body? And one, this particular article was talking about how what they're finding is that it's similar. I think it's similar to what Lynn McTaggart talks about in the field, that that's, what, that's where the consciousness is. It's like this layer that not only uh, uh, resides around the body but permeates the body and there was a study that was done a very fascinating study uh getting permission from these individuals before they passed they weighed the individual uh, yeah. and after they passed they had actually lost like i don't know maybe uh, a 16th an eighth a quarter of a pound they had lost something and it's like, well, what the heck did they lose? Because, you know, their systems are just shutting down. Nothing has come out of the body on a physical level. Something had to have changed. What was it? So let's talk about this aspect. You, 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 used, you talked about it, our imagination uh, in terms of visualization. Uh, I want to talk about another aspect of that. But let's talk about this aspect of consciousness in that, and I'm trying to remember, was it I want to say Schrodinger, that sounds familiar, and I'm not talking about his cat, but that it was stated that is that there is only one mind, okay, a single universal mind, and that we are all connected in that respect. So I have to wonder about that aspect in terms of the research that uh, and study that you've been doing uh, in regards to our ability to create. And I know I'm throwing a lot of stuff out here. I, I get that. Uh, but can, can we kind of go down that road for a little bit? Yeah, we can. <clears throat> um, when, when I, when I, when I started working on attention, uh, you know, decades ago, um, one of the, one of the main things I was interested in at that time was consciousness, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, very much so. Uh, and, I decided to come down, we'll call it one rung on the ladder, okay. but I think it's, I think it's actually more than one, <laughs> but we'll just call it a rung down on the ladder to just separate the two, mm -hmm. to separate attention from consciousness. And okay. the reason I came down to that lower rung had nothing to do with interest. Uh, still, you know, we, you know, I'm vehemently interested in, in consciousness studies. However, we know so little about it that I had to come down that rung because I wanted to be in an area, uh, you know, given my main objective, you know, to, to try to put something on people's, you know, table, kitchen table at home that they can use tonight to yeah. improve their attention, to improve their focus, to improve their memory and things like that. Whereas attention, you know, you can get into, you can get into the mechanisms upstairs that, 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 that are your attention 
uh, machines and identify them, see how they work, and prove that this is what's going on when, when, for example, you are focused, when you are paying attention, and prove this is what's going on when you're not. It was a provable item um, because it, it's completely in the realm of materialism. Uh, but consciousness, uh, was slightly different. We, we really, we, we know, we know a lot more than we did 30 years ago, tremendously more. But I think that, you know, it's just a scratch on the surface. There's a lot more, there's a lot more to understand. And, and the scientists that are out there doing that work are phenomenal. And I, you know, just phenomenal. And, and, and the, the, the information and knowledge that they're bringing into the, to the public conversation on what consciousness is, I think uh, is extremely valuable because of course in there uh, might just be everything well, not every, possibly everything that we want to know about, <laughs> you know, what, what are we doing here anyway? What is this exactly? I think that there's some big, big answers in consciousness studies to come. What is the difference from your perspective in visualization and a vision? Uh, and I'm speaking specifically, and I'm going to use a biblical passage, uh, without a vision the people perish and we'll deal with the perishing part later. Uh, but is, is there a much of a difference between, uh, having that or is the visualization, the process of the vision or a vision? That's a great question. When, when I, when I write about it, I, I write about it particularly as a process because when I'm using visualization as a as as this tremendous gift from the gods to our species uh, that allows us to alter or to adjust our attention machinery to function in the way that we want it to function in important situations in our lives, and so that they turn out closer to the way we would hope they would turn out in our wildest dreams. So that's the way I look at visualization. But I also, <clears throat> you know, look at visualization. I think I, I wrote about this in at least one book uh, where, where we, we, we have a whole societal visualization. You know, this is where that sort of uh, uh, communal consciousness mm -hmm. Uh, communal mindset uh, comes into play that that for example as a family or as a as a as a township or as a state or country we can have a vision and that will affect us in the same way because what's happening is is we use visualization to create elect electrical coordinates in our mind that will be responsible for the way we think, the way we feel, and the way we act in any particular situation. So the visualization creates those electrical coordinates, and the coordinates 
create the thinking, the emotions, and the behavior in a particular experience, uh, which is why if we don't get in there and, and change those coordinates, we tend to act the same way in similar experiences. Mm. So like, you know, when somebody cuts us off on the highway and we have a certain reaction, Mm -hmm. it's those coordinates that are kicking in and making us say what we might say, making us gesticulate. Yes. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. the way, the way we gesticulate. We do that without, nobody thinks I'm going to say this when those, when somebody cuts you off, you don't sit there and say, Oh, I could say this, this, or this, I'll choose it. We just do it. Just do it. You know, we just do it. And the same is true in interpersonal relationships. The same is true really in every experience. We just do it. 96% of what we do throughout the day is triggered by preset coordinates. And it's not a bad thing. You know, some of my friends say, well, then, you know, what are we, a bunch of robots or zombies? And it's not a bad thing. We need those coordinates. Otherwise, we'd be so inundated by information. We wouldn't have time to act. We wouldn't have time to, you know, if we've got something perfected, we wouldn't have time to have to relearn it. So, you know, it's a good thing. But, uh, you know, it it also is something that, that, if, if life isn't turning out the way we want it to turn out, or if we want to adjust it somewhat, it's something we have to get in there and fix. So that comes into play. You know, you used an appropriate word there, react, as opposed to act. And of course, the description you gave, which we don't do, is we say, oh, that person cut me off. Let's see, I can do this or this or that. And that's part of the acting, not the reacting, because that's we're, right. we're, we're in our logical, our logical brain. But when we're reacting, we're not in our logical brain. We're in our emotional brain based upon, yeah. as you just said, just uh, those 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 past experiences and so forth. We're talking with Joseph Cardillo and, uh, you know, a very prolific author website, josephcardillo.com. We're going to be, of course, we are already linked to his website because this is his second appearance on the program. And uh, he's going to be back again in the future because this, to me, is is fascinating stuff. I'm going to throw. Another element into the mix, my friend, uh, to see where we go with it. We've talked about, uh, of course, sound and music and so forth as an influencer of our lives. We've talked about uh, visualization and a vision. So how does our intuition and this may fall under the category of consciousness as we've just started talking about it how does our intuition that still small voice and sometimes it isn't a still small voice sometimes it is a still small camera that is showing us something or it's a still small speaker uh, of sound um, I had a, an experience when my wife and I were in Ireland and I I woke up one night in a uh, from a dream but it wasn't a visual dream. It was an auditory dream and it was very short. And it was our dear friend who had passed away in our home back in uh, 2003. And we were in Ireland in uh, February of 2004. And all he said was, don't say anything bad in front of Bridget. Well, I didn't know any Bridget. Okay. So a few days later, we're, we take a ferry across to the Aran Islands and um, we go to uh, Inishmore 
and we're uh, in this cemetery. It was like the uh, it was like a, a a cemetery of the five churches or seven churches possibly. And I'm over at this uh, seeming altar, and there was this big round stone with a hole in it. I'm going. I'm taking a picture of the very first wheel, just joking around. My wife comes over and says, "You have to see this." Now I told her of the dream. So she takes me over to this one gravesite where this giant gravestone was laid flat on the ground. And she said, read the gravestone. And I read the gravestone. Now, my wife's maiden last name is McDonough, which was also the last name of the person buried under that stone. Wow. And the first name on that stone was Bridget. And when I read that name, I put my hand over my mouth and walked away. Because <laughs> I was told, don't say anything bad in front of Bridget. So there was an example of, I don't know exactly what it was telling me, but it was a very interesting series of events that unfolded. Uh, and, and I just thought, wow, this is, this is kind of cool. So let's talk about our internal life, our intuition, whether we want to call it the still small voice, I call it my friend, because I don't believe that my friend is going to put me in harm's way, might challenge me, but, you know, that's part of what we're doing here is learning. Yeah, you know, and I think that, I think that we can, we can look at something like intuition from, from various angles. I mean, we can look at it, um, you know, extremely materialistically, you know, and say, well, it could be, you know, sometimes my intuition, and I write about this in the 12 rules of attention, uh, where, you know, we have very powerful um, uh, influencers that come in from the sidelines of our vision. And, you know, I, I call it glance, capability. So in just a glance, you know, where we're picking up information that, you know, we're, we're not necessarily uh, paying attention to it at the moment, but it's, it's now clocked into our awareness and can influence us at any given moment or down the line. So we've picked it up on, on the, uh, in the peripheral detail and it can influence us later. And we're, we not, may not be paying much attention to it at all. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes, sometimes, you know, we might think that, or we might call that intuitive mm-hmm. when we match it up. So something comes up and we go, Oh, that there, you know, is, is it. Um, but other times it's, it's really, much more mysterious than that. It's much more almost mystical uh, than that. How about, how about this one? Now I actually had a day when I was a kid, I had a an entire day that seemed like every time I turned around, I've been here before. I've seen this. What about deja vu? Any, any, any thoughts on that in reference to what we're talking about? Well, because there's so many things that trigger our memories, you know, again, it could be any, any sideline influencer. One of the interesting things about attention uh, is that we don't, we don't have to be, uh, we don't have to be paying attention to something consciously for it to influence us. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of cool. Uh, we, we absolutely don't have to be paying attention to it 
in any conscious way for it to bear an influence. And, and you know, an easy way to understand that even is with a lot of the subliminal uh, advertising that, that, that people have become aware of over the years. You know, you, you're in a certain part of the grocery store, you pick up a scent, you're not even aware that, that, that you've picked up that scent. And the next thing you know, you're buying cookies and milk, <laughs> right? You're not even aware. Yeah. You don't even know why you did that, yeah. you know? So, but, but so we were paying attention to something that uh, we weren't aware of. And there's a really cool, there's a really cool thing that readers can do. And I've written about it in, um, in my new book and, and previous books. Um, let's say that, you know, I, I call it the elevator test. Let's say that you're in an elevator with a couple of people and just for that short period of time, later on in the day, try to remember, try to put your mind in that elevator again and see what you can remember about those people. Like, what do you remember? Do you remember their face? Do you remember something they, you know, some of their apparel that they had on? Do you remember maybe a word or uh, something that they spoke? What is it that you're remembering about the individual? You probably won't remember everything. <laughs> and if you do, you should check it because it probably won't be 100% accurate. But, you know, what is it that you're remembering about that person? Then try to trace it back. Like, why, why are you remembering that? And, and, and it tells us more about ourselves and what's triggering our attention subliminally uh, than it does anything about the elevator or the other person or anything like that. It tells us about us. Or if we're in a restaurant, for example, and, and you know, just pick a stranger uh, that, 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 that just crosses, crosses your visual path and, and somebody that you feel, oh, that's a nice person. And then, you know, later on, try to remember that and remember, what did you think was nice about that person anyway? And why did you think that was nice? And maybe a person passes your, your uh, visual path and, and you don't like them for some reason. You get that in. You should ask yourself, what is it? What is it that's making me uh not like that person. And it's very revealing about us and where our mind was at, at that particular moment. A hmm. uh, lot of self-discovery we can find there. Anything from biases to something that was triggering our thoughts that we were unconscious to and made us pay attention to that person. I mean, yeah. there's a gazillion reasons, but they're all really kind of fun self-discovery reasons. Mm -hmm. um, so attention plays into this whole idea of intuition. And by the way, we should pay attention to our, in, our, our intuitions mm -hmm. and see how they work out. One really neat thing, and I suggest this in my book, one really neat thing you can do is to pay attention. So I got this big intuition that, that this might happen if I do this. See how that works out and test it and, and see just see how accurate was my intuition. And then next time you're in that situation and you have the intuition, then you'll have uh, at least one way of dealing with it. You, you'll have one way of, of, of deciding, do I want to act on my intuition? How much do I want to act on my intuition? Or do I want to maybe step back and think about it a little more um, by testing it? I, I encourage people to do that. So if you have an intuition, you know, uh, today or tomorrow, you know, see how it works out. I mean, I look at it this way. What have you got to lose? What have you got to lose? And again, I, I still I still contest that your intuition will not put you in harm's way 
it may challenge you, but it is not going to put you in front of a moving bus, okay? I really don't think, well, you, that, you know. <laughs> you may be paying attention to something that's, that's you, you may, your intuition may be telling you something that's vital. Uh-huh. And you're, you're conscious of it, but you're not paying any attention to it. That's and it so right there. What you're into, so what your intuition is doing is bringing it there on the table for you and putting it in front of you so that you can clearly see it. It's, it's kind of knocking on your door saying, here, you need to put your attention mechanism on this. Because remember, and, you know, and, and it's a fact that, that, that we, can, we, we can be conscious of something uh, that we're not paying attention to and mm. vice versa. We can pay attention to something we're not conscious of. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? I also um, uh, have a, 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 a phrase that I, I use or, or there's a word that people like to use quite often. It's called coincidence. I personally uh, do not believe in coincidence. I believe in coincidence <laughs> because things that are happening that just happened to coincide at the same time. And there are some beautiful programs and movies that I have seen recently where they will lay out two or three or four independent stories of one another. You kind of watch it going, well, wait a minute. I saw what just was happening over here. Now here's story number two. And now here's three and four. What, what's, what's, what's the relevance here? And then they start weaving those stories and story one somehow miraculously they might say passes through story number two and then that passes and coincides with number three and number four and you never saw these people and i think my favorite one was of um the television series god friended me and it starts out the first episode starts out where he saves uh, or helps this one girl uh, and um, uh, he didn't actually do it, but all of a sudden he's there with her and this guy jumps out of a cab. He's a doctor and he comes over to help her and revives her and everything. The next thing you know, the next person he is supposed to help is that doctor. And it's like each one of them builds upon the next one and the next one. And what it shows is our interconnectedness. Have you studied that aspect of all of this in terms of the coincidences, if you will, or the, um, the examples, if you will, or experiences of our interconnectedness. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and very much so. Um, and I, you know, I, I think that, that we can bring our attention. See, I, I, I think that at the core of, you know, a, after, after decades of working with, with mind body studies and science and after decades of working with attention, I've come to the conclusion that attention has got to be at the center of all this because attention is what's going to help us expose those those, those coincidences that, you know, that are happening like that when there's, when it'll help us find the causation. And, and, you know, one of the, one of the things that I like to use, uh, one of the tools that I like to use to help us expose uh, the connectiveness 
between things that may seem disconnected or may just, you know, go right by us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got to just step back for a second and say, when things are going great, most people don't want to ask that question. You know, what was it that caused it? Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm not aware of it. I, I, oh, I did things just the same as I always do, but today worked out great. And But they don't even ask that question. You know, most people don't, myself included. We just, you know, we accept the gift of the good day. <laughs> we just keep going forward. But when things turn out bad or when something happens to us, uh, we tend to want to know why, you know, what happened. I, I don't want that to happen again. It was painful or whatever it mm-hmm. is. Uh, so, so we pay attention, we pay more attention to those kind of things than we do, than we do uh, things that happen that are good. But my idea is to pay attention to both of them, you know, and, and the way we do that is to use reflection. It's the other big mechanism that we have. We're able to reflect on, things that have happened to us just now or today or <clears throat> in the in the near past or even in the distant past we're able to reflect on those things and when we do one of the things that that I've asked uh, that, that I, I encourage people uh, to pursue is to try to trace the footprints hmm. trace the footprints of what brought you to that particular, action or that particular thought or that particular feeling that weighed in uh, on the causation of what of of what happened in that experience so trace the footsteps of that experience the way <clears throat> the way our mind works <clears throat> it's it, in a millisecond when we're in an experience whatever it is it could be a little tiny experience, whatever experience it is. Uh, you know, I get on my bicycle and I want to ride it down the, down the road. It could be a little tiny experience or I get in my car and I want to drive it to the store. Uh, or it could be something, you know, more profound than that. Uh, but it doesn't matter what the experience is. What our mind does is it sends out in a millisecond all these little scouts mm-hmm. and they kind of scout around our, our brain. They go into they go into our memories, they go into our thoughts, they go into our emotions, they go into our previous motor activity or actions and so on. And and they come back and they report to us within a millisecond all the things that we've done in similar situations to identify the pattern that's most useful in the given one. And what our brain likes to do is it likes to identify the pattern that we've used the most and the most recently. And, you know, we talked about automatic behaviors earlier and then kick right in to that automatic behavior so that, you know, if somebody cuts us off on the highway, we're responding, we're we're reacting immediately uh, without even thinking about it. We just do it. So, Uh, We either get in there and control it or not. So reflection gives us the opportunity to trace our footsteps and find sometimes the subtlest of coincidences that occurred and, and start to say, you know what? I suspect that that had an influence on me and, and the way things turned out in such and such an experience. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, somebody might find out there were, there were really uh, there was some really interesting research. Um, I, I wrote about it in uh, in my book Body Intelligence, um, and and it was different things that might affect our attention. And I was looking at things that would affect, uh, say, a student's attention before he or she goes in to take a test. Mm-hmm. And depending on what you're reading, 
I mean, you might be reading, uh, you know, uh, a magazine with brilliant photos of vacation spots around the world. And you go in and you suddenly find yourself doing better on that test than you would have otherwise. And you're like, wow, you know, I was really, I, I was worried about that test. I was, you know, I wasn't sure I'd remember everything, but somehow I went in there and I performed a little better. I, you know, I outperformed what I thought I would do. Yeah. And if you go back and trace your footsteps and you go, you know, it's strange. I, you know, I, I was looking at that magazine. I was looking at those particular advertisements for vacation spots. And somehow that I, I suspect that somehow that might've had an effect on my mood. And so tracing the footsteps back to something and then trying to, you know, don't stop there. Keep going. Try to find out what, try to find, maybe go back and look at those advertisements. Find out what was it about that, that, that influenced me. And mm -hmm. you might just find out that there was something there that did influence you kind of like in the same way that when you pick up a certain scent that you're unaware of in a grocery store, you're buying a certain product. So once you've identified it, it can no longer have that sort of subliminal effect on you. Yeah. Now you brought it into the visible world and you can control it. And so uh, somehow in, in a core of all this, you know, I believe that attention skill uh, helps us identify those real subtle energies that affect us on a constant basis, 24 seven, mm -hmm. it helps us identify the good ones. And it helps us identify some of the things that we might want to edit and some of the things we might want to just delete and stay away from. Basically we're, we're sort of discovering the magician's secret to that particular trick. And once we've discovered it, we can never be manipulated to use that word uh, ever again, because now we, we know why that we hey, were hey. manipulated before. Exactly. So what I'm what I'm trying to do is to come up with 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 solid scientific tools that we can use and that 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 we were born with that can help us identify some of these things that we all have a sense about, you know, things like that, like like what you were talking about, an intuition that I have here. Mm -hmm. Is there a way that I can deal with that in a, in a tangible way. And I, and I've spent an awful lot of my career looking for tangible ways of dealing with the sometimes abstract influencers of our life. Yeah. And what's also very interesting is, um, you'll, and I would have to say that over the last few years, we've all been subject to, uh, a certain form of manipulation that may be uh, may be put out there totally unconscious uh, of the individual who's putting it out because that's just the way they are. And it elicits oh. it elicits those reactions from us that has caused the great divisions in this country that we experience today. Is that uh, a fair example? Because Absolutely. I find it hard to believe that the individual I'm speaking of is that intelligent to know exactly what he's doing, uh, to elicit what he's doing to divide and conquer. Uh, it, it seems to me it's more of a uh, past 
uh, it's more of a, a behavioral pattern that was established in childhood that I'm going to create as much chaos as I can to get what I want. Yeah, that, there's a lot of there's a lot of truth to what you're saying, uh, and along with the truth uh, is the responsibility that we all have, mm -hmm. because I think that, you know, once we understand the way attention works on our minds, we are responsible to ourselves and we are responsible to other people as well. We are responsible for the, for the, for, for the, 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 the data, the data that we put out, mm -hmm. uh, what we say, what we feel, the way we show what we feel, what we do, we're responsible for that because that's affecting other people mm -hmm. the same way as it affects us. And the thing is, is that it has long range effect. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, anybody who's ever, you know, I don't think you have to be a teacher. I think, you know, anybody who's ever worked with people at any capacity at all, mm -hmm. you know, probably, probably has heard from somebody, you know, uh, from 10, 15 years ago, sometimes yeah. longer than that, who writes you a letter and says, you know what, you you had an influence on me mm -hmm. 15 years ago, and it worked out really well. It worked out great. Yeah. And you're like, oh, my God, you know, I didn't even I, I didn't even know that you were focused on me. Yeah. I was focused on something else. I was the guy in the elevator who influenced you, and I didn't even know it. Yeah, you but know, I, so but, we, yeah, but I'm in sports and I'm not a role model. People oh. are watching you all the time. I'm sorry, but if you're alive, if you're a human being and you're alive, you're a role model to somebody because somebody is watching you. Yeah. yeah. And, and so we, you know, we're responsible. We're responsible yeah. to ourselves. We're responsible for the bliss. Mm hmm that that we are and that we follow and that we identify but we're we're you know we can influence somebody else's yeah ability exactly. to capture their bliss and you know if you know I want to be on the positive side of that influence if yeah. I can absolutely <laughs> oh know? absolutely Maybe, you know, know you and me both you yeah. and me both Joseph Cardillo is my guest here on the program. Tell me your story, New Paradigms for a New World. We're talking uh, about the work that he is doing. We've talked about, uh, of course, visualization. We've talked about music and sound. Matter of fact, there's an article I'm going to read here in a little while. I only saw the headline of it. I didn't read the article. Um, uh, having to do with Mozart at the opera. And I remember uh, Mo the, 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 the studies that were done, and I heard about this, con this thing called the Mozart effect. And I read about it and how, it, how the music of Mozart affects the brain in a certain way for us to behave in a certain way and so on and so forth again going to what you're talking about then i read another another article completely poo-pooing the whole thing and i'm thinking well you know that's typical because you you know we've had that problem with foods you know well coffee's great today and tomorrow it'll kill you and then the next day it's okay um so you know it's like each one of us has to make up make our own determinations but we have to become conscious. We have to become aware. We have to wake up. We have to pay attention, as you talk about in the 12 Rules of Attention, um, in order to be able to see those signs, in order to be able to uh, catch them at the magic trick and say, uh -uh, I, know how the, I know how the trick is done. I'm not buying That's it. That's right. You know? That's right. I, I, yeah. And, and really, 
really, I think that that's at the core of what I do. And, and, and so I try to, I, you know, I try to figure out this is how that trick is done. That's an excellent way to put it. Yeah. Put that on the on the kitchen table for people and let them have access. Let them have a go at that trick now, not wait five or ten years for that to become more of the public yeah. conversation. I want them to have it now. Absolutely. Now, is your latest work Twelve Rules uh, to uh, uh, Twelve Rules of Attention or for Attention? Yes, or do you have some that? That's your no, latest. It, it just. The 12 Rules of Attention uh, came out just uh, about three months ago, okay. and it's coming out, um, it, it's coming out worldwide uh, via a French publisher on January 28th. So, oh, wow. Uh, it, yeah, so wherever you speak French, <laughs> you'll see, you know, it'll, it'll, you'll see the, the French version. And, and it's, uh, it's coming out in China, uh, and, and they're doing a special edition in China also for, uh, for youth. So the, hmm. the, the, and I, I, I feel good. I feel good about this because, uh, they're going to use it in the schools and, and to, to teach attention and focus and self self-awareness and to sharpen these skills in, in youth in education. So I just, you know, I'm, I, I'm kind of happy about that. How about audible? It's on Audible, eBooks, uh, wherever books are found, and um, Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble. Fantastic! We encourage people to go to your website as well, josephcardillo.com. We'll be give, uh, we will continue to be linked to you, especially with this interview as well. Uh, and I have I have always enjoyed uh, from the our very first conversation, even before we started uh, recording these interviews. I've always enjoyed uh, our conversations because. Uh, you from it seems like from the very beginnings of your research and study, you have thought outside the box, outside the nine dots, as it were. Um, you know, one of these days we'll come up with a new one. Uh, I was trying to think of a way to incorporate the Rubik's Cube in there, but I haven't figured that out yet. Because uh, if I was going to solve the Rubik's Cube, I would have a set of stickers and I would just put the <laughs> stickers all the same color on each side. <laughs> That's my solution. <laughs> but I've seen people finish that thing in a, in a flash. Um, I thank you so much for giving us so much time here on this program. We are going to have you back to talk more about these things and you have other books as well. I mentioned two or three of them earlier. Uh, what are some of the, the, the writings that you have done that you feel, and maybe it's the ones I've mentioned, but that you feel are probably, uh, should be maybe at the top of someone's reading list to help them uh, through their day to day. Is it maybe the twelve rules of attention, or is is it one of the others? Well, yeah, I I had a I, I, that's a that's a great question. I had a I had a a, a a theory about the way I wanted to write my books when I started s- seven books ago, uh, <laughs> and uh, the the idea was is that I wanted to. I wanted to update them. I didn't want to just write another book. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted it. I want, I wanted to, I think it's the, the, the teacher in me. I wanted to put on people's table, everything that I know about this subject to date. So if you never read anything else, if you read the 12 rules of attention, you'd know everything that I know to date. If you wanted to, find out a little bit more about each little part of that, then you could go back to the other books. But somehow uh, I managed to continue that, that progression uh, to, to just 
you know, I, I, to, to just put it all in one, put it all there. This, there isn't anything in this book contains everything that all the previous ones contained. You're not, there's nothing that, that you wouldn't know, but you could find out the, the particulars mm-hmm. by going back. And I think that my first book, Be Like Water, uh, was a, a major breakthrough for me. Um, we could talk about that forever, but it was a major, just from the title, you yeah. can tell, Be Be Like Water, which a lot of people think came from Bruce Lee, and it did, but it didn't come from Bruce Lee because Bruce Lee took it. Bruce Lee took it from the Tao Te Ching. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. what I mean? uh-huh. so <laughs> it was a, it was a high point or the zenith point of the of the Tao Te Ching, and it basically suggested when you're in the dark and you don't know what else to do, just consider w- the metaphor of water and what would water do? Yeah. Would it would it become invisible? Would it break right through something? Would it become ice cold? Would it vaporize? You know what what would water do? Mm. Um, and, and so I think that my first book, Be Like Water, was a necessary book uh, for my, my mindset because, because it, 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 it allowed me to start thinking that we need to live um, in a flowing, stress-free, kind of more peaceful mindset. And I think we, we got to start with that, don't we? We got to yeah. start with, with internal peace and, and calm and also alertness, and then go forward into all these other areas, I, mm-hmm. I think. So that book has a special place for me with the 12 Rules of Attention. Well, I'll tell you, uh, Be Like Water is uh, paraphrased from my perspective by the saying, uh, taking the path of least resistance, uh, that's what water does, uh, as well as the transformational process from uh, liquid to solid to gas and vapor and so forth. Uh, You also have Bow to Life, and you have a symbol. Uh, This is 365 uh, secrets from the martial arts uh, for daily life. What is the symbol that you've got there on that particular book? Uh, It's a symbol for life. Okay. Uh, Chinese or Japanese? Chinese. Chinese, okay. And and, uh, the... um the whole thing about bowing to life goes back to the conversation that we just had, the mm-hmm. wonderful conversation that we just had, where everything, you know, if you scale it all up, you scale it all down, it's the same energy field. And so we might think we're different, but we're not yeah. as people. We're, we're all the same. And so when we bow to life, we bow to all that. You know, we, we bow to everything that we are, that everybody else is. And and this energy that that is life. Yeah. Well, we hope people will uh, pick up a copy of any of your uh, seven books here, as well as. Uh, can I have your attention? <laughs> that is one of his books. It's not a question, but it is a question because it's one of the titles. And then, of course, uh, the twelve rules of attention, and it's basically how to avoid screw ups, uh, uh, free up uh, happiness. And do more and be more at work. And before I I'll let you go here, let me ask you: uh, You're a doctor in what field? Psychology. Psychology. Holistic psychology. I always find it interesting when I have psychologists or psychiatrists on the program. I'm wondering, I wonder if they're uh, they're doing the old uh, uh, equivalent of the Rorschach test on me during this interview. You know, because I'd like to know <laughs> what uh, I'd like to know what's going on inside of me. <laughs> 
But I well, think go back to that idea. You know, we're we don't know exactly what the material is. That's <laughs> I like that. I really do. It's I'm a materialist, but what's the material? That's really. Uh, and, and who knows, maybe the material is dark matter. For all we know, that's what it is. But we hope you will uh, go to his website as well. Uh, and uh, Dr. Joseph Cardello, I want to thank you so much for giving us so much time here on the program. And I'm going to ask you the same three questions I asked you at the end of the last program. But before I do, I want to tell our listeners that you can hear this program on this fine radio station, 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. and Monday mornings at 1 a.m. That's Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Their podcast as well on uh, the homepage of richarddugan.com via SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and many other locations that you are reposting our interviews to. Thank you for doing that. We also encourage you to go to josephcardello.com. That's josephcardello.com and uh, find out more about the work he's doing. I, I find it extraordinary and fascinating myself. This is this is really very cool, especially uh, when it's right up my alley when you start talking about uh, how you can uh, basically uh, t- take your playlist and it'll change your life, uh, you know. So your playlist can change your life, and that's one of his books as well. We also hope that you will support us financially. If you can do so, we have PayPal and Patreon accounts on the homepage and missions page of richarddugan.com. You can also go to the missions page to uh, hear a little bit see a little bit more or read a little bit more about who and what we are all about and also participate in the decade of perfect vision the 2020s where you spend time going within and uh, maybe have some moments of visualization where you can catch the vision for your life it's really what it's all about and hopefully part of that vision has to do with happiness uh peace of mind bliss a wonderful place to be as well and uh, granted uh, you know we, we can't stay there all the time but that's what makes it so special is that we can always go back no matter what's going on in our world we can always go back to that state of bliss so uh let me ask the first of three and the first is who is joseph cardillo well, you know, I enjoy answering that question because at the top of my list is that I am husband to my wife and that I am father to my children. Uh, and that, that's, that's who I am. Uh, and then aside from that, you know, I, I'm a person who enjoys to try to unravel the, the mystery of what we're all doing here on this planet together and where we're headed mm-hmm. uh, and what what the purpose of all this might be. Um, if I can come a little closer to it between now and whenever, then I'm, I'm a happy person. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve <clears throat> through the work that you're doing now? I want to, I want to bring, I want to bring cutting edge science in the area of mind, body, and spirit. I want to bring those, those, techniques uh, together in material. For me, that means books that I can share with people, uh, put on their kitchen table so that they can open it up and find something in that book immediately that they can employ tomorrow. And hopefully they can find more than one thing. But if they find even one thing, I want it to be something. I try to put things in my books that will sweeten somebody's life up and just lighten their load. Um, And then the rest is really up to them. And finally, what is your life's purpose? I'm still looking, uh, but my life, <laughs> my life's purpose, I, you know, I believe is, 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 is to be here, 
to be here and to, and, and, and to feel it as thoroughly as possible. And I think that we were born with a brain <laughs> for a reason. I think we're intelligent beings who visualize. Remember, this gift of visualization mm-hmm. is unique to our speech. You know, we have a brain. We're able to visualize. We have that power of choice. And I think that 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 that's all part of our purpose is to use our mind to try to unravel this and to enjoy the process. You mm-hmm. know, like when we can unravel something, so what? It's it's process. It's the process of trying to unravel it and enjoying it. And in a way, for me, it's recreational. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Joseph, uh, Dr. Joseph Cardillo, I thank you again for joining us and for giving us so much time on this program. And we do look forward to having you back again to continue this very extraordinary and I find very interesting conversation. Thank you, Richard. And I thank you for listening and watching tell me your story new paradigms for a new world where we are also on youtube go to the youtube channel richard dugan look for the man with the hat okay not that hard to find and uh, we hope that you enjoy them we hope that you can support us and we hope that you will go to josephcardillo.com to find out more and until our next broadcast podcast videocast love to lol